0: 1st Peter this morning, chapter 1 in your Bibles, 1st Peter chapter 1. Sure glad you came this morning. Amen. Good to be saved, good to be in church. Good to be around fellow believers. 1st Peter chapter 1. I'll read a couple verses here and see what the lord has for us this morning. I'll give you a chance to stand here and stretch. We'll just read two verses. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 and 19. Bible says here in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. What a great verse. And uh, Coach, why don't you uh, ask the Lord's blessing on the preaching this morning. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, over in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Amen. (laughs) And that time clearly is today. And the they are those within the body of Christ. A lot of people think that passage there in 2 Timothy chapter 4... Is to lost people, but it's to the people in the body of Christ. And the time is now, and the they are those within the body of Christ. The scriptures also declare concerning sound doctrine. I'm going to set something up for you. Hopefully you can get a good glimpse of it, a good picture this morning. Uh, concerning sound doctrine, that sound doctrine is contrary to those that break the law. That's 1 Timothy 1.10. Sound doctrine exhorts and convinces the gainsayers. You say, what's a gainsayer? One who contradicts that which is alleged. So how you how you overcome someone who is against the truth is not by your eloquence, your oratorious skills, it's by giving them sound doctrine. And of course, sound doctrine is what every Christian and preacher contextually was commanded to speak to their hearers. That's Titus chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, sound doctrine, when we talk about sound doctrine, it's not a hobby horse. Sound doctrine is a necessity. It's a command. However, sound doctrine has gone the way of the American Indian. And its brother, false doctrine, now dwells in his tents. When we break it down, sound doctrine is comprised of sound speech. That's Titus chapter 2 and verse 8. And it's built upon sound words. That's 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, to which you and I were told in that verse to hold fast. So sound doctrine is important. And we often throw that word doctrine around like it's something that we have and nobody else does. Rather, it should be something that exists that God gave to us in the Word that we must preach, that we must believe, and we must know. One of the identifying factors that the body of Christ is in the predicament of clinging to feelings rather than facts is the neglect of doctrinal preaching from the pulpits. There is a great straying away from solid doctrinal preaching. Preaching has become, as you know, more psychological. It's become more, what can the church do for you? And that is the worldly approach. That is the business approach. Every business that exists to make money and to get rich wants to know what's in it for me. And so, sound doctrine is preaching that is not comfortable. Many times it's not oratorically exciting. Sometimes, let's just face it, it's dry as cracker juice. And here it is Sunday morning. And I want to give you a doctrinal message this morning. So if you brought a pillow, and sometimes I walk through here, I'm like, man, this is like a, it's like a nursing home sometimes. Not age, don't get offended when I say that. But there's pillows and blankets and shoes, and I'm like, oh, someone left some Tupperware here. <laughs> Listen, you may have felt good when you got saved, amen? amen. But the facts are you are saved when you believe what God said about His Son. Doctrinal preaching embraces and exposes the sound words from the King James Bible, ending often in I-O-N or T-I-O-N. Salvation, sanctification, propitiation. So those are doctrinal words that describe the most important moment that happened to you in your life. And it exposes those words, and these are not college words. They're not 50-cent words. They're Bible words. And we should be comfortable, we should be familiar, and we should know those words. So they're not college words, and the lack of doctrinal preaching has now produced multiple generations. I know you know this, but sometimes it's good to remind ourselves where we're at. The lack of doctrinal preaching does not mean that I'm right and everybody else is wrong. The Bible is right whether I'm right or wrong. The lack of doctrinal preaching has now produced several generations that are weak in the faith, that's Romans 14.1. Many believers that are prone to err from the faith, that's 1 Timothy 6.10. And eventually, they depart from the faith, that's 1 Timothy 4.1. And ultimately, is because they do not know anything about their faith. The most important day of your life was the day of your salvation. A total of at least 39 things took place the moment somebody trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and redemption is one of them. You're probably wondering, where did our text verse go? (laughs) All that to tie in the doctrinal preaching is so necessary today. I love expositional preaching. It has allowed me to grow as a preacher. If you've been with me for the journey, the Lord has changed my preaching. And aren't you glad? (laughs) Amen. And I'm still changing, and I'm still growing, and I still have a long way to go, and so do you. And we'll get there, amen. Amen. But it's going to take sound doctrine, and it's going to take the reminder that we need doctrinal preaching. It doesn't always touch our feelings, but rather it's based upon facts. And sometimes facts, well, they're just a stubborn thing, aren't they? The fact is, if you speed for too long, you're going to get pulled over. The fact is, during the first two weeks of November, if you're not paying attention, you will hit a deer. Or several. <laughs> so facts, uh, As one, I, I won't remember how the one fellow said it, uh, facts don't have feelings. And if you get offended at facts, you need a therapist. Amen? <laughs> wow, that went over real well. <laughs> Amen. But we want to preach about redemption. Redemption's first mention is in Leviticus 25 24. You say, Ooh, great, Leviticus. Its final mention is in Hebrews 9 15. I'm going somewhere with this thought on redemption this morning. And that word, redemption, first and final mention, carries the thought of being purchased by someone all the way through Scripture. Did you get a hold of that? The the idea of redemption is something being purchased by someone. All the way through scripture. Redemption means this according to Webster. It means this. The purchase of God's favor by the death and sufferings of Christ. The ransom or deliverance of sinners from the bondage of sin. And the penalties of God's violated law by the atonement of Christ. And let me encourage you this morning as we get into this. Every child of God who has trusted in the Lord as their Savior has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Are you redeemed this morning? I sang that song for years and years as a child knew it inside, knew every verse, but never understood fully what redemption was until many, many years later. But thankfully, I learned song. And thankfully, I learned the verses. So one day, the Lord could plug here into here. <laughs> but considering, considering redemption this morning, I want you to see, first of all, number one, God the Father had a part in our redemption. God the Father had a part in your redemption this morning. If you take your Bible and look at Hebrews chapter 10, I'll read a passage of scripture to you. I want to break this thing down through the Trinity for you that everyone has something to do in redemption. God the Father had a part in your redemption this morning. And at salvation, God the Father accepted the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as a perfect sacrifice. And we pick this thing up in Hebrews chapter 10 beginning at verse 7. The Bible says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt uh, offerings, and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standing daily, ministering and offering often, oft times the same sacrifices. This is the best verse you could ever give a Catholic, which can never take away Sin, every Catholic goes to a Catholic church when they go and the priest is up there doing sacrifices. They call them spiritual sacrifice, whatever. He does it every week and that Bible says, which can never take away sin. But this man, you know who this man is, right? That's Jesus Christ. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting until uh, his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. God the Father had a part in our redemption. At Calvary, God the Father, you realize this? He was pleased with the bruising of the sacrifice. He was pleased with the bruising of the sacrifice. Isaiah 53, 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It's hard to comprehend sometimes how the Father was pleased to bruise his own son. But God the Father had a part in your redemption this morning and that God the Father accepted the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as a perfect sacrifice. Not only that, number one, but number two, God the Son had a part in your redemption this morning. God the Son had a part in your redemption this morning. You say, what did He do? I think you know. He offered Himself up as our substitute. He offered Himself up as our... Our substitute. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. You know how you do that? You put Jesus' name in for just and your name in for the unjust, and that's how it goes. The just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. Isn't that a blessing? Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. I know you're familiar with these passages. The Bible says, Who gave Himself for our sins, uh, you say, well, it was the Romans that crucified Jesus. No, he laid down his life for us. He gave himself for us. Uh, they didn't have to make him stay there. He willingly was our substitute. He gave himself. The Bible says he was as a lamb led before a slaughter is dumb. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16, who gave himself a ransom for all. He gave himself for that ransom. They didn't have to force him there. I know you know this. But that's his part in redemption. He was our substitute. Not only did he offer himself up as our substitute, but God the Son laid down his life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. He laid it down. Nobody took it. He laid it down for us. He was our substitute. Not only that, God the Son paid the price for your redemption. The interesting thing is He was the purchaser and He was the price. That's a, something you're going to have to think on for a while. He was the one who paid for it and He's the one who bought it. He was the purchaser and the price. He paid the price for your redemption. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, For ye are bought with a price. You're bought with a price. There's a story about a little boy who lost his boat. you probably heard this story before. It's a great little story. His name was Tommy, and Tommy carried his new boat to the edge of the river. He carefully placed it in the water and slowly let out the string. It tells you how back the story goes. <laughs> how smoothly that little boat sailed, and Tommy sat in the warm sunshine, admiring the little boat that he had built. Suddenly a strong current caught the boat. Tommy tried to pull it to shore, but the string broke, and that little boat raced downstream. Tommy ran along the sandy shore as fast as he could, but his little boat soon slipped out of sight. All afternoon, he searched for the boat. that it was too dark to look any longer. <laughs> Sadly, he went home. A few days later, on the way home from school, Tom spotted a boat just like his in a store window. When he got closer, he could see, sure enough, it was his boat. Tom hurried to the store manager and said, Sir, that's my boat that I made in your window. Uh, I made it. Can I have it? And he said, I'm sorry, son, but someone else brought it in this morning. If you want it, you'll have to buy it for a (laughs) dollar. Tom ran home, counted all his money, exactly one dollar is what he had. He ran to the store. He rushed to the counter. Here's the money for my boat. As he left the store, Tom hugged his boat and said, now you're twice mine. First I made you, and then I bought you. It's exactly what Jesus Christ did. First he made you, and then he bought you. If you ever think you ain't worth much, if you ever think you're cheap, just remember what God thinks of you. He thinks you're His, twice His. First, you're His because He made you. And second, you're His because He bought you. He bought you on the cross. He paid the price to redeem you. So you could start by letting go of your stress to God's care and let go of your sins to God's cross. Well, God the Son, He had a part in our redemption. He paid for your redemption. That price, I know you know what the price was, but the price was blood. We read that text this morning in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 19. The Bible says that you were redeemed not with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. And it wasn't like just prick your finger there, you know, and donate a little blood to the diabetes foundation there and, you know, put it on a slide. But he shed his blood. Bible says in Hebrews 9:12, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That price was blood. He shed his blood. Not only was the price blood, but his price was death. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15:3, you know the verse that Christ died for our sins. He died. The price was his blood, the price was his death. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, the Bible says, For thou wast slain. And redeemed us to God. Redeemed us to God. It was His death and it was His blood. Not only that, but God the Son, He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 this morning. A doctrinal message on redemption. You ought to know what happened when you got saved. You were purchased. You were bought with a price. God the Father accepted the sacrifice. God the Son therefore offered Himself up as a substitute and then He paid the price with His death and with His shed blood. God the Son in the process redeemed us from the curse of the law. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Now listen, even though the law is good and the law is just and the law is holy and Paul says the law is spiritual... And uh, you ought not to be a lawbreaker, amen. But there's a curse connected with that law. And why you point the man out about his transgressions and why you point a man out about his sin is because that law, it brings a man to Jesus Christ. The Bible says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But He redeemed us from the curse of the law. I'm telling you this morning that God the Father had a part in your redemption. God the Son had a part in your redemption. He paid the price. He offered Himself as our substitute. And then thirdly, God the Holy Spirit has a part in your redemption. The Bible says over in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God. God the Holy Spirit was the means by which Jesus offered Himself. I show you that this morning because I want you to see that the Trinity is in unity with your salvation. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all had a part in your salvation. Three in one and one in three and the one in the middle died for me. And He paid the price for your redemption. Well, you say, well, what's my part? Well, we looked at God the Father's part. We looked at God the Son's part and God the Holy Spirit's part. But what's my part in redemption? Well, it was done for you. If you're a lost man, the one part in redemption is this. You have to believe it and receive it. Amen? That's the only part you have. And you don't have a part in it. Your part is to believe what was done for you and then receive what was done for you. He believes what God said about his son. That's what lost man has to do. If a man's here today and he have not trusted Jesus Christ your Savior, the Bible says in Acts 16, 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You have to believe what God said about his son. <clears throat> not only that, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Oh, it was right there and it just slipped. Uh, by one man sin entered into the world and so death by sin so death passed upon all men for that all have sin you see that you have to believe what God said about his son do you believe what God said about his son this morning do you believe he paid the price for your sin Do you believe he shed his blood for your sin and he died for your sin and he rose up again the third day well if you believe what God said about his son uh, then you can be saved you believe it and then you receive it And you receive the free gift of salvation purchased by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Romans 6.23. You know the verse. Uh, You learned it as a child for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you thankful this morning you received the gift? You've heard the old time illustration, all the gifts under the tree. And they're all labeled to you. You wouldn't dare let them sit there unless you wrapped them and knew it was in there. If it was to you, you would open it. The only way you get that gift is to receive it. Believe that gift is for you. Believe what the person said about the gift and take it and appropriate it and make it yours. Man's part in redemption. He believes it and he receives it. You know the verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now that's a lost man's part in redemption. What about you and me, a saved man? A saved man. Since you are redeemed, our responsibility then becomes to redeem my time. Redeem the time. And uh, look at Ephesians chapter 5. My part in redemption if I'm saved. My part is this, if the Lord has redeemed me, redeemed me by the blood of the Lamb, that I'm to redeem some things as well. And I'm supposed to redeem my time. What does that mean? I'm supposed to buy back some time. You say, why? I've already been in this world long enough. I've already lived to my flesh long enough. I've already done things I'm ashamed of long enough. And I need to live unto Jesus Christ and redeem the time. It doesn't matter how young I am. It doesn't matter how old I am. I need to buy back every moment for Jesus Christ, fight my flesh and do what I can to please and serve Him. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Ain't that the truth? In 2023, I'm telling you what 2023 would make uh, 50 years ago look like a carnival. Every everywhere you go, and I know you know this, you know it so much, it's made you callous Christians. It's made you jaded. It's made you accept the worldliness and the wickedness. And it's only going to be the word of God that keeps your heart tender. But you go out here and you see the wickedness in the world and the wickedness in the, uh, on the television set and on your phones and all that stuff. And you just get jaded. You get hard-hearted. You get callous. you got to buy the time back. you got to redeem the time because the days are evil. Look at Colossians chapter 2. You say, well, how am I going to buy that time back? You're going to have to do it by the way you walk. The way you walk. Colossians chapter 2. This thing will go, and there's a blessing here. There's another message in this thing. I won't preach it, but I'll give you just a you know, a little bit of spoiler stuff here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. You know the verse. The Bible says, "You Therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. All right, so if I'm going to redeem the time because the days are evil, it's going to have to hinge upon my walk. And how am I supposed to walk? Well, the first thing in verse 7, my walk has to be rooted. My walk has to be built up in Him. My walk has to be established. My walk has to be abounding there and in thanksgiving. Boy, that thing will put us all at the altar, amen. I know we're getting close to thanksgiving, but man, why preach it once a year? Part of my job, part of my day and way of redeeming the time is not only them circumspectly, right, amen, because the days are evil, but my job as a Christian is to walk pleasing the Lord, rooted, built up in Him, establishing the faith, and abounding therein in thanksgiving. I'm going to tell you what, that will help you redeem the time. You can buy back some time just by being thankful, just by spending time in that book and getting rooted, just by spending time in that book and getting uh, uh, built up in him, just by taking time like you did this morning to come to church and take time out of your schedule to get established in the faith. You can redeem the time back. You are redeeming the time by being here this morning. You're buying back time for Jesus Christ that you could have gave to your flesh, that you could have gave to the devil, and that you could have gave to the world, but you gave it to God. That's a blessing. My job is to redeem the time. And I redeem time by seeking to win the souls of lost men. You're right there in Colossians. Look at chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5. Bible says in Colossians 4 or 5, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Can I stir up your pure minds this morning? Everybody in here knows lost people. You work with them all the time can I just encourage you and stir you up to redeem the time and walk in wisdom. towards? They're watching what you do. They're watching what you say. They're watching how you react. They're watching whether or not you're going to laugh at things you shouldn't and look at things you shouldn't and do things you shouldn't. Just redeem the time and walk in wisdom towards people who are lost. Eternity depends upon it. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without redeeming the time. Well, Save saved man, he's to redeem his time. And a saved man, he needs to appropriate his redemption. That word appropriate simply means to take oneself to claim, to use by an exclusive right, to set apart. You need to get a hold of that thing called redemption. You need to realize what you got this morning, Christian say I I don't know if I can okay maybe not at first but I'll tell you the more the passages I've given you this morning I'd peruse them I'd pour over them I'd read them this week and I'd try to figure this thing out but once you get a hold of redemption you know what let me show you this let me show you what it does for you According to the Bible, it'll help you get victory over sin. You want some victory over sin this morning, Christian? I sure do. I'm sick and tired of living a powerless life, unable to get victory over my sin. The answer is to appropriate the redemption that God gave you, to claim it for yourself and get to know what you got. Look at this thing here in Titus 2.14. Bible says, who gave himself for us. Amen. That he might redeem us. Look what's next from all iniquity. Isn't that a blessing? You realize that when Jesus Christ paid for your redemption with the price of blood, He didn't just do it so you could go to heaven, but that's a blessing. He did it so you could quit your sin in. You see it right there to redeem us from all iniquity. Man, that's good. I tell you what growing up sometimes you think that all oh, this is just, oh he sought me, he wrought me, he bought me. but he saved you to stop your sinning and you get a hold of what you got in Jesus Christ. I'm not preaching you a positive gospel. I'm saying you get a hold of what God did for you at Calvary and you realize how he shed his blood for you and in the shedding of his blood, he redeemed you from all iniquity. you don't have to sin. And you can get victory over your sin by appropriating the redemption of Jesus Christ. Galatians 1.4 again says, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Aren't you sick of this present evil world? I'm sick of myself, amen, I'm sick of my flesh, I'm sick of battling, I'm sick of my mind, I'm sick of my thoughts, I'm sick of my habits, I'm sick of the way I live, but I am sick of this world. It does nothing but drag me down. It does nothing but shine bright, shiny lights in front of me that go, oh, that's exciting, and I'm like, it's not exciting. There's heartburn connected with that world. He'll deliver us from this present evil world. Not only will it help give you victory over sin, but notice in Titus chapter 2, verse 15, you appropriate redemption, it'll help keep you pure. Help keep you pure, the Bible says, and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Christian purity should be the strive. And there's only one way you're going to get pure is realize what Christ did for you at Calvary to deliver you from that, and then take the time to get into the pure words of the living God. Old preacher said this, garbage in, garbage out. Let me just say it like this, because this is where we live. You can't binge on Netflix all week and expect to come in Sunday morning and get a blessing from the Lord. <laughs> you can't do it. It's like my, my mentor preacher says this, you can never, how do you say, you can't out-train a bad diet. I don't care if you run 20 miles a week. If you're sitting around eating chips and dip and Twinkies and Ho-Hos and fruitcake and pies and all that ice cream, it ain't going to work. But I'm telling you what, you appropriate the redemption that Jesus Christ has given you. It'll give you victory over sin. It'll help purify you. And not only that, it'll give you zeal to serve the Lord. Titus 2.14, the Bible says, Zealous of good works. Do you have zeal this morning Christian? You say I don't know little old country church ain't much going on well stop and think what God did for you I'll put some zeal in your tank make you want to do something for the Lord through the local church I'm telling you the secret to zeal is found in realizing what you have in Jesus Christ it's not realizing where you're eating for lunch although I mean, if you're going to go out, great, right? <laughs> but zeal is found in realizing what Christ did for you on the cross, and how that shed blood delivers you from sin. It delivered you from hell. It delivers you from sin today, and one day it delivers you from the presence of sin altogether. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what gives us hope. Well, it'll uh, it'll give you victory of sin, keep you pure. I give you zeal to serve the Lord. And you know what? Here's the final thing. My, my, my job, uh, my part in my redemption as a saved man is to patiently wait for the redemption of my body. You know, when Jesus Christ bought me, you know what he bought? That's that song. That says, The only thing he bought was me. He came to this earth, he didn't own nothing. And I have no savings account, no 401k had no pension, had no house. He said uh, one fellow, foxes uh, have holes and birds have nests, right? But I ain't got a place to, you know, take a nap. All throughout the gospel, that's the J-E-V version there. All throughout the the gospel, he's going up in the mountains and praying. What's he doing up there? I don't know if you're like me, you pray, you go to (laughs) sleep. Isn't that funny? You can't sleep. The older you get, you can't sleep, right? But you pray and you fall asleep. Imagine that. (laughs) Well, patiently wait for the redemption. But look at Romans chapter 8, verse 23. We're almost done here. I'm hoping you're learning something about your redemption this morning. If nothing else, just stirring up your pure minds, help you realize what you got in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and verse 23. While you're turning there, can I say I think The Lord wants us to hear doctrinal preaching on a somewhat regular basis. In expositional preaching, it's great preaching in the sense of it keeps you tied to the book. It lets the book lead the way. You you really can't run your agenda if you're going to preach through passages unless you're just that jacked up. But with doctrinal preaching, you know what it does? It always focuses back on Jesus Christ. And it focuses on what he did for you. And it focuses on what the blessing it is to be saved and what awaits us and the rewards that await and the time that we have left is so short. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 23. The Bible says this, And not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. You see it? We are to patiently wait for the redemption of our body. Take your Bible, go to First Corinthians chapter 15. Now, what's going to happen? It's going to happen sooner than later. <laughs> you say, when? I have no idea. You say, well, I hear you were teaching uh, this, and you you uh, you know, you said that he might co- Yeah, and I'm, I'm probably wrong, too. But I'll keep guessing. It don't matter. I still want him to come. And if he don't come May 24th of 2026, I hope he comes May 25th. And if you don't understand why I said that, it's okay. I didn't create a new doctrine. I just... I like guessing. You say, well, the Bible says that no man... No-. You're right, but what's wrong with guessing? I didn't say you had to go sell everything you had and take white sheets and go to the top of the tallest hill in Osco County. I mean, he might come back. It just makes sense. I mean, would that be all right if he came back? It'd be all right if he came back before that, right? And if I'm wrong, I'm still going up. First Corinthians chapter 15. Well, I don't think you ought to set a date. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Let me have my fun. I'd like to get to heaven. I mean, I'm going there. Don't don't worry about that. But I like to get up there and I'd like the Lord to say, You're close. You're close. Like, oh, I know. And then and I don't know what he'll say. He'll be like, yeah, but I, I fixed the calendar here and I fixed it there because no man knoweth. But I'm glad you were guessing. And I'm glad you're looking. And I'm glad that you love my appearing. So here's a crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want you to see the redemption of our body will be sudden. Sudden 15, 51. Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. Verse 52. In a moment. See that? In the twinkling of an eye. Scientists have uh, measured that out. And I didn't write it down. But it's some astronomically fast number. In a moment. In the twinkle. Right? Twinkle, twinkle. Little eye. <laughs> And we're gone. It's going to be sudden. Not only that, but I want you to notice the redemption of our body is initia- initiated by the sound of the trumpet, right there in 52. See it? It's, it's it's going to be sudden, and it's going to be initiated by the sound of the trumpet. It says, "In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound." Man, I'm waiting for the trumpet. I'm waiting for the. I'm waiting for it. You say, "What's that trumpet going to be like?" I don't know. Jeremy Evans, come up hither gone I believe you'll hear your name I do believe that and not only that the redemption of a body you know what it'll do it'll resemble it will resemble our Savior 1 John chapter 3 it will resemble your Savior 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 the Bible says beloved now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when we he shall appear we shall be like him and that a blessing, and a blessing to know that one day we will get the redemption of our body. You say why? Because he purchased us, he adopted us, and one day, since our spirit's already been adopted, amen, and our soul's already been saved, one day this body will be redeemed. It will be—it's the purchased possession. He says, and he'll come back and he'll get this body and he'll change it and it'll resemble the Lord Jesus Christ, right. amen I'm telling you what, knowing that now, can you not go live for the Lord this week? That no matter what you have to go through, whether it's diabetes or cancer or a broke leg or a broke arm or a broke nose or your favorite team losing, amen, no matter what you go through, one day your body will be purchased and you'll get a body just like Jesus Christ. Man, that's going to be a glorious day. Why? All because of our redemption by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let me say this in closing. Psalm chapter 49 verse 8 says that the redemption of the soul is precious. And let me say this, the Lord Jesus Christ has paid the ransom for every single sinner today. The only thing standing in the way between being redeemed or not being redeemed is simply trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and His death his burial and His resurrection. I'll ask you today: Has there ever been a time in your life where you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ's death and shed blood at the cross of Calvary? If not, today is the day of salvation, friend. I wouldn't. I wouldn't leave out of here. You say, "Oh, preacher, we all know everybody." I know, man. And familiarity breeds contempt, don't it? I just throw this out here. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's never been a time where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's already redeemed you. Why not believe it and receive it? He's paid the penalty, but will you accept it? Christian, is your redemption precious to you? Are you redeeming the time living in the power of the Holy Spirit and reckoning yourself dead indeed unto sin? Christian, do you long to see others redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Christian, do you witness? Christian, do you plant the seeds of redemption? Christian, do you pray for sinners daily? Christian, do you ask the Lord for a burden for souls? Christian, do you long for the day when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ rise, and we obtain the redemption of our body? Do you long for that day? What a day. Glorious a day that will be. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Are you redeemed? I have Elizabeth come to the piano this morning, the organ wherever she can come. I'd like to just give a general invitation. If you like to be redeemed, come on down. I'd like to show you how to get saved. Christian, do you long for those things that I just spoke about? Have you appropriated your redemption? Do you know what you got? Are you redeeming the time? As she begins to play this morning, the altar's open. Why don't you just come talk with the Lord?